following podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. I like what Lucado had to say a couple weeks ago in a devotional. He said, he talked about how that night, the one that would change everything, started out as just another ordinary night for the shepherds who were watching over their sheep. The shepherds had no expectations of excitement. These are sheep they're watching. Shepherds, however, treasured the predictable. This was the night shift, and the excitement was bad excitement. Wolves, lions, poachers, calm and ordinary is what they wanted. However, it isn't what they got, is it? They didn't get that calm. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I think I'd been terrified too. How about you? If it happened today, I could just, I could just hear folks thinking and saying to the news reporters, man, we had an alien encounter, you know, <laughs> It had been something weird, right? But they're terrified. Now, we always assume the worst before we start thinking about the best. Good thing the shepherds hung in there. I'm thinking they're so terrified they can't move anyway. They're froze in their tracks. They, they lingered. And it's a good thing because otherwise they might have missed the next thing that the angel had to say. Don't be afraid. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Lucado continues, the night was ordinary, no more. The announcement went first to the shepherds. They didn't ask God if he was sure that he knew what he was doing. Theologians would have consulted their commentaries. But the angels went to the shepherds first. In other words, men who didn't know enough to tell God that messiahs are not found sleeping in a feed trough. Nevertheless, that is where they found him. The messiah had come. But the question is, why? Why did he come? What was it really all about? Have you ever considered keeping a list of all the things people say Christmas is supposed to be about? Have you noticed that it seems like as the years go by, the ideas get crazier and crazier? Right? And as they get crazier and crazier, it gets further and further away from what it really is all about. You guys remember Jay Leno? Remember when he used to have the night show? When he would host the late night show? He had this thing called the Book of Headlines. And in it was an advertisement placed by the Center for Dental Implants. This is what it said. The gift of chewing is what the holidays are all about. (laughs) Well, that settles it, doesn't it? Mystery solved. (laughs) It's so that people can chew. (laughs) Well, obviously, the Bible gives different ideas regarding the meaning of the birth of Christ. In fact, the Old Testament prophet Micah 
He's the one who first foretold where the Messiah would be born. He was the one that lets us know it would be Bethlehem. He's a contemporary of Isaiah, as a matter of fact. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we find these words, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. If you're wondering why he says Bethlehem and then adds on to that Ephrath, it's because Micah is being specific intentionally for us. As it turns out, there wasn't only one Bethlehem back in those days in Israel. There were several. And so he's letting us know which particular Bethlehem it would actually be. Okay, which is pretty nice of him, don't you think? I, just for fun, took out my phone and put in Richfield on um, the weather app, you know. I counted 10 different Richfields in different states in our country. So it'd been like that back in the day, you put in Bethlehem only, you're gonna get <laughs> who knows how many, but Micah lets us know, no, it's Bethlehem Ephrata. That's the one. The word Bethlehem, some of you know, is the word that means house of bread. Ephrata actually means to be fruitful. I love that, don't you? The bread of life would come from this place and there would be fruit following. This passage in Micah teaches us what Christ is coming is really, really all about. Micah says that Jesus came to take care of us, to lead us, to protect us, to save us. But he also, in the context of Micah, came to be our shepherd. So what does that mean, that Jesus is our shepherd? And how are we to relate to that? What does that mean for us? Well, first of all, as our shepherd, he came to give us strength. Look at verse 4, if, you're, if you haven't turned in your Bibles to Micah chapter 5. The first part of verse 4 says, And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. I think this is good news for us. It's information that we need to have and apply to our lives because I think most of us, more than we might want to admit, think that we can handle it, <laughs> right? We've got this. And it isn't all that often that we actually turn to God and rely upon His strength for our lives. This is telling us we don't have to live in and on our own strength. We don't have to handle it on our own. We have help. We can turn to God for strength. And the good news is He will give it. No matter what happens, we can depend on Him. Our lives don't have to be characterized by failure or bitterness or missed opportunities. He will give you the strength to face whatever comes your way. This means that you're not alone, that you're not a victim of the circumstances that life has thrown your way. You have a shepherd, and you can live in his strength. No matter how difficult the challenges, no matter how big the battle, 
You do not have to face it alone or on your own. In fact, trying to live in your own strength without turning to God. In fact, listen to what Isaiah writes in chapter 50, verse 11. He says, but see here, you who live in your own light, in your own strength, and warm yourselves from your own fires and not from God's, you will live among sorrows. Secondly, as our shepherd, Christ's coming provides for us, gives to us security. Let's face it, we live in an insecure world. Would you agree with that? Pretty much, right? Neither certainty nor safety exists, even though we spend our lives trying to find both. There are those who try to find it looking to the government or their employer or their investments or their relationships, and none of them can give the security we want, the security we truly truly need. At any moment, life can come crashing down around us. One simple word can change everything. A word like divorce or cancer or downsizing or how about this one, pandemic. <laughs> we hear these words and suddenly we become like those angels on that one first holy night, terrified. And the world doesn't seem to, so, to be so safe anymore if it even ever felt like it was to you. The fact is, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? None of us know. We can't depend on the world to offer security. You want to know why? Because it doesn't have it to give. <laughs> There's only one place we can find it, only one person who can provide it. The rest of that fourth verse in Micah chapter 5 says this, and they, referring to his flock, that would be us, will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. What is that saying? It's saying that Jesus offers the security that we really, really long for down deep within every single one of us. He is in control, and he has the power, and he has the ability to take care of us. That's what a shepherd does. <laughs> and that is what he wants to do for you and for me. Listen to these words from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 15 and 16. I myself, the Lord speaking, will tend my sheep and have them lie down. That's talking about calm and peace and security. And I have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. In other words, the one who is over everything, right? I will search for the lost. I love this power. I will search for the lost and I will bring back the strays. And I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Wow, what a promise. Talk about safety and peace and security all found in our God. 
You ever found yourself straying? It's kind of like what is being implied here is that when we go off on our own, we're going to end up beat up, hurt, bloody, whatever you might picture. But that doesn't keep our God from coming and pursuing us, looking for us and bringing us back and binding up the wounds and bringing healing to our lives. That's what is being said here. He's saying, I will take care of you. You are safe with me. I will tend to you. If you're lost, I'm going to find you. If you stray, I will bring you back. If you're injured, I will strengthen you. I am your shepherd. I will take good care of you. God made this promise that we find in Hebrews 13, verse 5. Never, never, never will I leave you or, some of you know how it finishes, don't you? Nor forsake you. Good words. Jesus even himself said in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Wow. Good words. Sounds like security to me. How about you? It appears that David, the shepherd king, understood that. He finishes out the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, with these words. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Wow. That's why Jesus came into the world. That's what this time of year, this season is all about, to pursue you, to find you, and then offer you the kind of security that this world cannot give. Security based not on things or circumstances, but on his never-ending love for us. Are you thankful for that? Once again, sheep find no safety in themselves. <laughs> they can't protect themselves from the enemy and they can't take care of themselves left to themselves. They need a shepherd. And you know what? <laughs> so do we. So do we. And so in him we find strength and in him we find security, but also because he is our shepherd, his coming brings to us serenity. Now I stayed with that and you're going to see why in a second. It's with the S's. <laughs> Using a little alliteration but I came across this illustration that fits with that term serenity which is really peace, right? How many remember Seinfeld? I kind of thought that. In a Seinfeld episode, George's dad Frank Costanza learns the relaxation technique of saying serenity now. <laughs> when his blood pressure starts to rise, his doctor told him to say serenity now. Only Frank doesn't say it. He screams it. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't work. 
no matter how loudly he yells, serenity now. It never happens. It never comes. George's friend, who was his, who, who was at some point in time in a mental hospital, tells him, serenity now, no, it doesn't work. And then he says, that's what put me in the institution. <laughs> he says, it's serenity now, insanity later. <laughs> we laugh at that. But that's about how foolish some of our own attempts at finding peace can be. I know I don't have to tell you about some of the insane attempts that people make to find peace. I know I don't have to tell you because you've been there <laughs> and done that. And in case you haven't noticed, we don't live in a very peaceful world. Neither inner or external peace exists for very many. Jesus came to bring peace to all who will trust and follow him. The first part of verse 5 in Micah chapter 5 says, and he will be our peace. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, his birth is announced by the angels who said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And as Jesus was approaching that whole crucifixion ordeal, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's from John 14. Those things that tend to make you miserable or maybe even fearful are the very things that Jesus came to fix. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to bring to you and give you his peace. It's humbling to admit that in the Bible, we are compared to as sheep, right? It's not exactly a flattering comparison, right? You know that. Sheep aren't industrious. They don't work for you. They don't protect you. Have you ever seen a guard sheep? Neither are they particularly bright. <laughs> you never see sheep in a circus act. The one thing sheep can do, however, though, by nature, is follow their shepherd. They're good at following. They're good at trusting. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to trust him. Now, I realize this is simple, basic Christianity 101. I know. But it remains, as far as I am concerned, no matter how long we've walked with the Lord, it remains amongst our biggest struggles. Trusting and obeying. Nevertheless, you can cast all your cares and concerns, all your worries and anxieties, all your sin and unbelief on him. 
and he will take them away. That's what Jesus, our great good shepherd, came to do. He came to seek and save the lost so that all who follow him may experience life in its fullness. That's what Christ's coming is all about. Wrapping it up, uh, just this morning I was reading another devotional and it went this way. It says, the story of the servant shepherd is a story not about what we must do, but about what Jesus has done. He came down into the dungeon, into our enslavement, into our blindness and said, You've failed, you've broken the law, and you are entirely unable to rectify yourselves, to rectify the condition. But I save sinners. I open blind eyes. I release captives. I bring light. I have done everything required for you. Turn to me in simple faith and childlike trust and then you will see that you will be free and your darkness will give way to his light to sunshine you see the one who has done all this is the one that we gaze at sometimes when we see those nativity scenes and I just want to encourage you and challenge you. And I don't know what goes through your mind when you see that. And sometimes I think people will lose track for a moment maybe of what that baby's life is going to be all about and all that that baby will do when it becomes a man for you and me in terms of enduring the horror of the cross. Never let it fail to move and inspire you to praise and worship of the divine Son who came to be the light of the world, our Savior, our Redeemer, Sustainer, our great and good shepherd, servant, so that then we then would take those things in and then begin to live them as well and take light into this dark world in which we live. Sound like a plan? May we be reminded of that with all the craziness that goes on during this time of the year, all the commercialism, consumerism, and everybody getting caught up in everything that Christmas is not about. <laughs> but that's what it is. He came to be our king. Let's let him rule and reign in our hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will